look with me in Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Uh, we're going to read the, the Word of God as we always do every Sunday and then extract the truth from it. And we're going we're gonna to learn that we're not perfect, but we can be forgiven and we can be set free. And the issues that we face, we don't have to create a routine around. So look with me. It says in verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. It's uh, the ninth hour. is about 2 to 3 p.m., 3 p.m. And a certain man, lame. Everybody say lame. lame. You ever met somebody who's just lame? Yeah, there you go. A little pity laughs. I like those. Those are good, too. But lame, right? There are lame. We have ailments. We have flaws. We have, we're, sometimes we're lame and we're not all there. From his mother's womb carried, uh, was carried uh, whom they laid daily. Everybody say daily. At the gate of the temple, gate of the temple, hear the process here, which is called beautiful. Then it says to ask for alms for those who entered in the temple. So he's begging. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked, he shook his cup. I got my cup today with my change. Shook his cup and asked for alms. And fixing his eyes, now he's talking about Peter and John, fixing his eyes on him, looking at the man who is lame, John and Peter said, look at us. Everybody say, look up. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something. I love that verse. I think that ought to be somebody's verse. Expecting. Just underline expectation. When was the last time you had great expectation from God? To receive something from them. He said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I believe somebody's going to rise up today and turn around and enter into the promises that God has for you. And he took them by the right hand and lifted him up. This is, this is just extra, but I, I want to tell you, all of us had somebody reach a hand out and say, hey, let me show you how we live. Let me show you what Christianity looks like. Hey, somebody reached out to you. When was the last time you turned around and reached out to somebody and said, let me help you up? This is a huge message of just ministry and, and witnessing that we're called to not just speak Jesus over somebody and say, see you later, brother. I hope it works out. But to reach our hand out and be there for him. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. I love that. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple and uh, with them, walked in with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And we're going to end today with a shout of praise. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now I want you to skip down. What happens is uh, he's worshiping. And he's worshiping so much that he got worn out. When was the last time you worshiped so much that you got tired? You clap your hands. You know we clap our hands a lot at this church. And I remember every once in a while, we clap a lot. Y'all clap a lot over here. Why do we have to clap? And some of us are still learning how to clap and sing at the same time. I, I look back. That's why I try not to look back. Because sometimes when I look back, you're like, you go to clap, but then you're offbeat because you're trying to sing at the same time. You're like, hallelujah. So y'all will get there. But he's, he's leaping and he's praising and he's worshiping God so much so that he's tired. And Peter says, come over here. Do you, who, who did John lean on when he was tired? Come on. I'm going to go a little deeper here. That I didn't give for first service because I like you more. But who did John lean on at the Last Supper? 
Some of my theologians, come on, shout it out. Jesus. Jesus let John lay on him when he was tired and didn't know what was going on. John did the same thing and said, come here, young man, lay on me. It's all right. I, I learned from my mentor. Let me teach you how to rest on me. And that's just a, another lesson within this scripture. You see how rich it is? And then what happens after that is it goes through and they begin to declare the name of Jesus and the message of the gospel. They didn't have scripture. They didn't have a Bible. They didn't say, open a church now to Acts chapter. No, 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 no. They said, they're living this. Did you know your faith should never be based just on Scripture? Scripture is good, but it's in addition to your faith on the resurrection of Jesus Christ is where it begins and how it all stands. You have no point in believing in Scripture until you first have faith in your Savior. And so they begin to declare incredible truth about Jesus. And as they do, then they get to verse 19. Go to verse 19. And it says this. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing. I don't know about you, but every once in a while I need to be refreshed. I'm like, dude, I'm tired. (laughs) Refreshing. Here's an equation for you. Repentance, right? Plus forgiveness equals refreshing. When, When I get into a place where I am humbled and I repent, I get forgiveness and I get refreshed. So then it says, it says, refreshing the may of the Lord, the presence of the Lord may come upon you. So he's talking about, hey, the presence of God is going to empower you and refresh you. Lord, we thank you for today. I want you to pray with me. Come on, pray with me, saints. Everybody here and online at both of our prisons, I just want you to begin to pray and just say, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking today? What do you want to have for me? Come on. If there's a, a false paradigm, help me shift my mind. If there's a stiffness in my heart, God, Lord, break off the stiffness. God, Lord, if there's something that has been ailing me and stopping me and putting up walls between me and my faith, let those walls come down right now. God, we're not here to play church. God, we're not here, God, Lord, to just act like we checked our religious box. God, we came in here for relationship. We came in here to be empowered. We came in here to be touched by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to receive a revelation from heaven. And we thank you, God, that our revelation is here. Everybody who believed it and is ready to receive it, say a good amen. Amen. Y'all can tell I am ready to preach. Uh, So let's, let's start off. At the beginning... We have this wonderful passage, and it says Peter and John decide to go and pray. Did you know everything good happens on your way to pray? Where are you headed in your day? (laughs) There we go. We can make it rhyme. You, you, you ought to be headed somewhere. Everything good happens on your way to church. Everything good. Y'all think it's the opposite. See, we're used to the opposite. We argue on our way to church. I had at least two kids on the way to church. And, and, and I, I've already lost my salvation, my mind. and my. I, 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 by the time I get to church, I need Jesus again. I need him all over again. And when we leave, it's the same process. But it's really the opposite when you live in the spirit of freedom. Because when you do, you live in a place where going to church, oh man, did you? we're on our way to church. Who knows what's going to happen? Because everybody who needs something shows up to church. Everybody who came for something shows up to church. Come on, Brother Reuben, you didn't show up for nothing, did you? We showed up for something. We want God to do something. We didn't just come up here to hear a word and, oh, he's a good preacher. And he tells a couple funny jokes and he really makes me laugh. And I, I love that girl who sings up on stage. She moves around a lot. You know, this is really good. And I just, no, no, no. We came to church because... Because we expect something great to happen. And so Peter and John were on their way to church. 
And as they're on their way to church, they're getting ready to pray. And there's this lame man that we begin to hear the story about. We get a little backstory. He's been lame since birth. And this affirmity and this flaw in his life, he's known for a very long time. Some of us have problems and tests and trials in our life, but they come and go. There are some afflictions in our life that try to remain. And anything that tries to remain becomes a point of routine, right? We start to build a routine around our affliction. We start to build a routine around our dysfunction. We start to build a routine around our flaw. We start to, build, we start to become comfortable with this is who I am, right? We just start to, we, get, we accept our flaw rather than seeing ourselves forgiven, set free, and replenished by the Lord. He doesn't just want to accept you for your flaws. He knows he, ma- he made you. He wants to help redeem you, make you whole again. And so this man comes daily, daily with this affliction since he was born. And many of us have these flaws that we've just gotten accustomed to. And, and, and religion says, hey, you know what? I'm just, I'm gonna, we're just going to set you right here. Right? Because religion will only bring you close when relationship will bring you through. And so he's sitting at this gate, and he's, religion has taught him to sit. I'm going to preach. I'm a, a Holy Spirit, help me. Religion has taught him to come and sit at church. Religion has taught him, yes, you come in, you sit down, you, you wait for somebody to just throw some coins in your cup because we just want to pacify you. We don't really want to satisfy your need. And so we're just going to continue to keep you right here in your affliction because you don't, you're never really going to grow. You're never really going to get past that part. See, the hard part, the piece that we need to receive before we keep going further, my, my wife really, she's, she's the one who directs me and guides me, and half this revelation comes from her, honestly, because she imparts it to me so much, and she said, take your time on this because there's so much power in it that we need to understand. And there is. Th- this man th- that was sitting at this gate, he, he wasn't all bad. He was good. Okay, let me ask you a question while well, it's all quiet in here. Uh, if, he, uh, uh, if he was bad, if he was a jerk, Dre, if he was a jerk, would you carry him? If he was mean, if he was rude, if he was like, spit in your face, and he was like, ah, oh, slap, 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 and every time you try to do something, every time you try to pick him up, he was like, ah, oh, I hate you. You never carry me right. Every time you carry me, you know, it's always like this. And, and I, try, now, I, I'm, I, you, you can hear a personality coming up, because I'm a pastor and I deal with people a lot. So every time you handle somebody and you try to help somebody, you, sometimes you get slapped. But he, he was a nice guy. See, I, I do that all the time. I, I help carry people, and I help people, and I lift people, and I try to encourage people, and every once in a while I get spit on, and I get hit. But this guy was nice, because I'm not going to carry somebody who hits me too much. Eventually, I'm like, carry yourself. <laughs> you know, that's the hard part, is pastors who, who like abuse, will, will, they'll, they'll keep people who abuse them. But pastors who won't put up with it, say, see you later, brother. Get to walking. Oh, you can't. No, just kidding. <laughs> Too far. <laughs> right? I, I, I'm that kind of pastor. And I, I understand. And look, I, I, all you healthy people and intelligent people, you, I know you respect it when I don't put up with drama queens. I know you respect it when I don't play games. And I say, hey, you want to act like a crazy fool? There's the door, young man. I'm not here to cater to your drama. So this man wasn't that. He wasn't that. He was a good man. They carried him every day. He was good. So he had this one affliction, 
and he had all this other good stuff. And, I, and, and but he settled with, I'm pretty good. Turn your neighbor and say, I'm all right. Why, where in our Christianity and in our scripture and in the message of Jesus Christ did he say, oh, I just want you to be all right? What is the number one goal for every parent for their kids? I just want them to have a good life. Oh, no, no. Don't say great. Don't say amazing. Don't say incredible. Don't say anything. I just want to have a good husband. I just want to have a good family. I want to have a good this. And we just want, we settle for inadequacy. We settle for complacency. We settle and we make, and then all of a sudden we just, we don't just do it. We don't just settle for it. We create a routine around it. I come here every day at this time. I sit right here in my spot. This is my seat right here. You ever watch the people begging on the streets and on the corners? I'm not hating on any of them, but they, they rotate. They know their shift. I think they really have a, a, like a calendar. I think they have a schedule. I think they, they're like, hey, you got nine to three, and then I've got the second part of the day, and we're going to switch, and then if you need a break, just wave, give me the signal, and I'll come over. And so <laughs> they have a whole routine. I, I know that, that if we see that nowadays, he's been doing this his whole life. Everybody knew that that spot was his. Everybody knew that that's how he was. That's, he's created this routine around his dysfunction, and everybody has considered this is what will, is and will be. This is the norm for him, and anything outside of that would just be a shock. And for some of us, we create, we do this dysfunction. We're just naturally angry. That's who we are. But the moment you actually act nice to your spouse one time, the kids are like, what's a... What's wrong with mom? <laughs> Sorry. Or it could have been dad. What, what's wrong? And, and we create, well, because oh, our, my family's always been yelling. There are two sides of people right here, right now. There are people you were raised in a quiet home, and there are people you were raised in a loud home. Somebody said a good amen if you were raised in a loud home. I was raised, Emily was in a quiet home. I was in a loud home. And, and we create, oh, this is just how my, this is how we deal with issues. This is how we handle This is who we are. We're, we're just, I'm naturally hot-tempered because I'm Irish, man. I'm a drinker, and I'm a tempered, and I got this, and this is my family. We're just, this is, and we, and we don't even know how to explain our dysfunction anymore because we're so caught up in this one piece of our flaw that we will not change because some, then all of a sudden, if, what happens is in this routine, and I'm, I'm taking my time on purpose right now today, is because when you, take your, when you create this routine, and as you do this, you, you start to internalize some things. And now this, this, this thing, this dysfunction, this flaw in your life, this failure in your life, this hurt in your life, now you're in a place where you're saying, well, maybe I'm not just, I'm, I'm just not good enough. Maybe I'm not worthy. He was laid at the gate called beautiful every day. How could something so ugly be so close to something so beautiful? This gate was 60 feet wide and made of gold. Somebody's eyes ought to pop out of your head. 60 foot wide gate made of gold. And he's begging for money by a gold gate. Do you hear? He, he, he's, it's, it's, he had cre and all of a sudden he realizes, I, I'm never, I'm not good enough. And every day he shakes his coins. He, start, he probably started out as a young kid begging, just a little kid. And everybody had pity on him and he'd look up with him and he made up. But every day, 
all of a sudden the light grows dimmer and our flaw becomes our identity instead of our forgiveness. And we just begin to internalize it. And, and where everybody used to bring him to lay him near what only others got to go into, he only got close to what others got to go through. Everybody, every day, he prayed. He would have loved to go through and go into the temple, but he couldn't because religion said he could. So he's just here, and he's, he's staring at the ground in shame and in turmoil. And then I guarantee you there's been days when he sits there and he watches those same people at the same time every day pass by. And all of a sudden he's saying, they're not better than me. And now this affirmity... This lameness in his life has become a point of blame. My mother must have done this. You know, I was born this way. I didn't ask for that. And now we start to uh, accuse others. And now we start to become bitter that everybody else who walks through those gates. You ever had somebody walk by you into your destiny? Walk somebody by, walk by you into your healing? Walk right by you into your promise? Right, walk, walk right by you into another level of increase in their life? And all of a sudden, their marriage is doing well. All of a sudden, their kids are doing well. And people are walking into what you only hope to go through. And you're sitting there saying, when? I guess it'll never happen to me. I'm not good enough to have a good marriage. I'm not worthy enough for my kids to be great. I'm not good enough to have increase in my finances. I'm not good enough. I guess we're just meant to be poor and, and destitute the rest of our lives. And we settle in to our affliction. And we make a routine around it. And this young man had just been hurt so much and he just began to stare at the ground and never make eye contact. Shaking his cup. Never feeling like his flaw could ever be taken care of. It's too great. You ever thought that before? Am I talking to a room full of sinners or saints here today? I, I, I remember knowing I can never be forgiven. Do you know what I've done? Do you know where I've been? And I did it knowingly. Do you ever think that he felt like he deserved it? And every day that light grows dimmer because the flaw is ruling his life instead of forgiveness. Religion has kept him at the entrance but never brought him through. Because they said, your, your kind isn't allowed in here. If you got flaws, if you have imperfections, if you failed before, if you messed up, but that's the exact opposite of what Jesus came for. He said, my house is for the afflicted. My house is for those who have sinned and fallen short of the glory. My house is for those who are flawed and imperfect and realize their imperfection. My house is for those who need me and call upon a Savior. That's what my house is for. But they have made their house a religious house that said, Bat you people out here and then you good people in here. And he, had, he was stuck. But that's when Peter and John show up, right? Peter and John, they come on the scene. And I love how Peter and John show up. Peter and John show up, and they see they, they're coming up to the temple to pray, and they're far off, right? I want you to get this picture. There's a 60-foot-wide gate, and Peter and John are walking up, and this man's sitting right there, and they start talking. I guarantee you, they were talking. What do you want to do? How do you want to handle this? 
Okay, we're going to, oh yeah, here we go. And they're, they're, they're starting to walk up with a game plan because by the time they get to him, they look over to him and he's saying, sir, can I just have some alms? Let me just tell you, somebody has their cup in their hand today. You have your cup. I know you have your cup. You brought your cup to church today and the level of your cup is the level of your expectancy. And, and his cup was right here expecting just coin to be fallen. But Peter and John wanted to raise his level of faith and expectancy. And they said, young man, look up. Everybody say, look up. Look up, young man. Raise your expectancy because everyone was good with religious, pious, walking by, dropping coins and telling them, don't make eye contact. You're not good enough to talk to me. You're not good enough to walk with me. You're not good enough for me to touch. You're not good enough for me to even get close to. I'm just going to drop some coins near you, and you're going to have to waddle over and scrounge for these coins. And Peter and John said, oh, no, 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 young man, look up. Somebody's about to hear this in your spirit. Come on, I need somebody stirring in their heart that you need to look up and expect something greater. Expect God to do something better. Expect God to pull you up out of your level of expectancy that's down in the dirt and the shame and the guilt of your flaws and imperfections and get your focus on him. Because when you do, all of a sudden you look up and the Bible says that he looked at them with expectancy expecting them to do something for him. But yet all the time we come to church and we're just like, okay, we'll see how loud he gets today. We need to come in with expectancy. We need to come in saying, you know what? My flaws don't define me. My flaws don't keep me. My imperfections don't keep me. In spite of my imperfections, God grows this church. In spite of my imperfections, God continues to reveal who he is with me. Oh, man, I'm going to preach. I need somebody's going to help me preach in a minute. But what happens is this. Let me tell you. I'll go back to the woman at the well. I'll prove it to you. Jesus goes and sits at the woman with the well, and he sits down, and he's like, hey, let's get a drink. And she insults him. You're just a Jew. Do I need to make a racial statement right now? Do I, if I came over there and if somebody just called me out for my race or for where I come from or whether I'm young or old or whatever, he, she literally attacked him. And he goes, that's okay. Hey, if you'd have known, I, I'd have helped you. And the progression goes from Jew, he's somebody, sir, to then what? Messiah. To, oh my God, I'm forgiven and set free. Did you know that Jesus has patience for you in your revelation and your understanding that God wants to progressively get you there? You're not going to arrive there on day one. You don't know it all on day one. You don't have it all figured out by the time you're 33, the age of Christ. It doesn't matter what age you are. You are continually growing, and he has patience. And let me just tell you, maybe you've been thinking this whole time about God having patience for you, but do you have patience for each other? Oh, now it got real quiet. You, you, do you have patience for each other, the understanding that I know you don't know it all, and, and humble enough to say, neither do I. Oh, man, come on. This is going to break through for, for a revelation, a breakthrough for churches everywhere if we could get a hold of this for the body of Christ. You do not know it all. And churches that have a corner on knowing it all are dangerous and destructive because normally they're built on what they are against rather than who they are for. And when you're built on what you are against, you will end up in destruction. We're not meant to, hey, look, I know what you better do. You better say, no, we're here to all figure this out together. I won't know it all till I get to heaven. And I don't even know if I'll know it all by that time. He hasn't even told me. 
So I'll figure it out there. I probably won't care. I'm just a rhyming fool today. But I, I need you to hear this. This has got to get in your spirit. And I'm going to close. In fact, uh, yeah, will you, uh, Josh or Alex, will you come up and play? This is what happens. So they say, look up, Tyler. They say, look up, Reuben. They say, look up, Chris. And they say, uh, the disciples are so bold. They're so bold. Because what they do is stand up in the name of Jesus Christ. And they just speak. They, they didn't go like we do. They didn't do, hey, let's, let's form a committee. Let's have, what should we do about this beggar? Right? What should we do about these homeless people out there? They, they, didn't, they had the audacity Bob, to not even ask God what he wanted to do. They knew. They already knew because it was relationship that was working through Peter and John and not religion. Religion is what placed him there and said, you can't go into the beautiful gate. You've got to stay here. You can't even look at the gate. You're going to look at everybody who comes through and stare at the dirt. But somebody's going to turn around today and they're going to walk through their gate because God is saying it's time to look up. It's time that somebody declares freedom. Somebody declares healing. Somebody declares deliverance. It says no more. Time to be free. Come on, somebody's going to praise Jesus by the end of this. But they walk up and, and, and they, don't, they don't ask. They don't talk. They, I know they were looking. They were like, we should just we're gonna walk up on them. You start. I'll go. Good cop, bad cop. We'll get them. And, and they just, boom, they hit him. And what does he do? Oh, my God. Could you imagine, Rob, being forgiven? Could you imagine? Do you remember the day that God said all your sins are washed away? Do you remember the day that his grace saved you? Because I guarantee you this. Anybody who's received the fullness of the grace of Jesus Christ knows how to praise Jesus. Knows how to worship in church. Knows how to clap. Somebody better start clapping. Knows how to give God some praise. Because you know. Anybody can praise God when you think you've got it all. Oh yeah, Jesus is good. I just needed a little drop. He did too much, but, you know, he's out there. I'm not that bad. No, no, no. I remember the grace that I needed. I remember every day living a repentant life saying, I am jacked up and I need Jesus every moment. I remember walking into church feeling like, I know I'm not worthy. I know I'm not good enough. I remember the day he called me into ministry and I told him and argued with him, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And he said, that's exactly why I need you. Because there has to be a moment that erupts within us that says, oh man, I can't thank you enough. I can't praise you enough. I can't clap enough. I can't get loud enough. I can't shout enough. I can't stand enough. I can't worship and praise enough. And you get crazy for Jesus because you remember you are jacked up and your flaws are not going to keep you anymore because only pride in your flesh will keep you remaining in captivity in your flaws. But when you humble yourself, when you, when you ask repentance and you get forgiveness, then you get healing. And this man worships so much, this man worships so much that he drew attention. Wait a minute. Well, he drew attention because uh, Alex, he was, you know, in the city. 
He was out in the countryside. You don't praise Jesus just anywhere. No, no, no. What did it say? He went through the gate called beautiful. He finally turned, which is what repentance means. He turned from the ground that he's been staring at to the beautiful gate that was right behind him the whole time. And now that all, everybody had only told him you can get this close, now God is saying you could go on through. And he's saying, oh, I'm going through. I'm walking through. And he gets through. And he gets into the place called the temple. And he draws attention. Why? Because he's the only one worshiping God in the church. Oh man, that hits home. We have so many quiet churches that are dying on the limb because no one is worshiping God. Everyone has come there to check their religious box. And we just come in and, and, and all of a sudden when somebody does say, Amen, Hallelujah, you're like, oh. I think that's his wife up there saying it again oh yeah they're only worshiping because they're on the front row I think half of them are related to the worship team they're just trying to make them feel good when was the last time your worship drew attention when was, oh, forget about worship when was the last time your forgiveness and healing brought attention around you That all of a sudden, people just started drawing bread around them. And they started coming over, and they're like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Isn't that the guy who's been lame since birth? How, how is he jumping? How is he shouting? Why is he praising? And then all of a sudden, everybody gathers near. And the same guys, Peter and John, they continue to speak the same message of relationship versus religion. Because relationship will always wear religion out. And they begin to speak relationship. How do I know it's even more about relationship than anything? Let me tell you. Peter and John were amongst three that went everywhere with Jesus. They were the closest to him. Peter, James, and John went everywhere that Jesus went. As I mentioned earlier, John laid on Jesus' chest. Relationship. Then they declare the relationship that they had with Jesus to a bunch of religious, pious people who just looked at them bewildered. How could this even happen? And he says, repent. Turn, turn from your ways and turn to the beautiful gate. Turn to your promise. Turn to your healing. Turn away from your flaws and into your forgiveness. Turn away and turn into this. And when you do, times of refreshing will come to you. That refreshing also means replenishing. So it'll make you whole. So where you had a person try to dig at you, where you had a person take a bite out of you, where you took some of yourself away and you felt like you've had pieces so much taken from you, you don't know if you have anything good left in you. And Jesus says, oh, let me make you whole again. Let me make you well again. Let me make you complete again. Let me make you perfect. Let me clothe you in my righteousness. Come on, somebody. Come on, Bridge Church. Begin to praise. Begin to shout. Begin to clap. Begin to thank God. Begin to somebody who's been forgiven, somebody who's been healed, somebody who's been set free. This is where we worship. Oh, so this is the introduction to the message. We are not here to have cute little moments with Jesus. The church is a movement. Remember that scripture, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it? Gates are an access point. So that gate called beautiful, that was an access point for his healing. Those gates of hell that try to hold people captive, 
are an access point for the righteous to run through and say, oh no, you're not holding anybody captive anymore. Oh no, you're not going to tell people they're not worthy anymore. Oh no, you can't tell people they're not good enough anymore. Because I'll tell you what, those doors right there, there are people who wouldn't dare to don the doors of this church because they don't feel good enough, because they feel flawed, because they feel imperfect, because they don't know it all, because they're afflicted and hurt and pain. And churches usually have caused the most pain because we throw stones at each other. But I'm ready to build a church of people who already kicked down some religious doors and say, come on, we're all going through. Come on, we're all going through. Stand up, church. Stand up, church. Stand up, church. Stand up, church. We're all going through. We're all going into our gate called beautiful. We're all going into a new revelation. We're all going into a new perspective. We're all going into this gate called beautiful. I love it. And turn. Man, when the Holy Spirit put that in my heart as I read the scripture, I was like, oh, that is the perfect bow to this package. Because literally... He had to turn, and John and Peter both said, you need to repent. What does repent mean? Okay, here, we're going to try again. What does repent mean? How many of us have been staring at our cup in the dirt for so long, holding on to our gossip, holding on to our jealousy? That's just who I am. You know, for a long time when I first got married, that's who I thought I was. Oh, well, God, and I tried to justify it in Scripture. I would say, well, God's a jealous God. That's why I can be jealous of everything with Emily, and no one can hang out with her except for me, and she loves me, and I don't care. Nothing happened prior to me, and when I, she started dating me, that's when life happened. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. I was controlling. I was jealous. I, I, I was pathetic. I was pitiful. I was lame. And instead of staying in my lameness, I decided to say, you know what, God? My greatest fear is realizing that Emily is better than me. My greatest fear is, is realizing I'm not good enough for anybody. My greatest fear really is my affirmity right now. And I need your help. Can you check on me and forgive me? It's not someone else's problem. It's not what they did or he did or she did. God, this is something in me. Can you heal me today? Oh, Lord, bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you for your healing and your forgiveness. Somebody just raise your hands and just begin to worship God. Just begin to thank him. Just begin to ask him, say, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to remain in my affirmity. I need breakthrough in my life. I need healing in my life. I need deliverance in my life. Lord, from everybody here and everybody online, Oh, God, we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. We're not staying in the dirt anymore. The devil has kept us long enough staring at the ground in sin and shame, shaking our cup of pity, wanting to stay in pity. But God has come to satisfy every need. God has come to bring completion to every deficiency. And, Lord, right now, God, you're bringing completeness into somebody's heart, into somebody's life. You're bringing deliverance into somebody's life as they raise their hands, as they lift their voice, as they begin to call upon your name. They didn't have a committee meeting. They didn't have a prayer meeting. They just said, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, come and heal me. Set me on my feet. Break me free, Lord. Set me on my feet and deliver me, Lord. Heal me. Come on, if you need healing, come on, if you need deliverance, come on. Begin to praise God. Begin to thank God. Give Him a shout. Give Him a clap of